Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I'm your host, Sean Terrell. My guest on today's show is Chris Pistorius. Chris is the founder of Kickstart Dental Marketing, a company that works with dental practices across the country to increase new patient flow. Chris and I talk about how dental marketing has dramatically evolved in the last decade or so, and we also discuss what dentists can do now to attract new patients and what Chris thinks about the implementation of video into a marketing campaign. As a reminder, you can get all the information discussed in today's conversation by visiting our website, DentistExit.com, and clicking on the podcast tab. And if you are a dentist interested in taking the first step to find your eventual exit from active practice to financial independence, whether that's three months or 30 years away, let's have a conversation. You can schedule a discovery call with me by going to DentistExit.com and clicking on the Schedule Meeting tab in the top right corner of the main page. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Chris Pistorius. All right, Chris Pistorius, welcome to Dentist Puns and Money. I'm excited to hear your story and, and thanks for joining us. Hey, Sean, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My favorite place to start just with some some background for the audience on sort of your journey. Could you share a little bit about how you've reached this current point of your career? It's uh, It's been quite a journey for sure. I've owned this agency now for uh, 13 years, actually, just recently. And uh, when we first started, um, we weren't solely in dentistry. We were, we kind of, uh, we started taking on all kinds of different companies, you know, pretty much anybody that would pay us really. So we'd have, <laughs> you know, we had a few dentists, but we had, you know, auto body guys and attorneys and, you know, you name it. Uh, I just quit this, you know, pretty good job back in the day and uh, had two little kids at the time. And my wife, I think was about ready to kill me for starting this company basically with zero revenue. Um, so we took on anybody and we, you know, we did that for a year or two and we were successful. But what we found, Sean, was that, you know, it, it, when you take on a new industry, you've got to learn it as a marketing agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were trying to do that. But sometimes by the time we learned the lingo and the logistics and, you know, everything that goes with a particular industry, sometimes it was too late. And our clients would suffer from that because we were trying to figure out their industry, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was at that point where we made the decision, look, we need to niche down and we need to be an expert in one thing, right? In one industry. And so it, no no cool story here, unfortunately, but it, what we did is we we saw that we had, I think at the time, five or six dentists that were uh, in our agency and we were getting great results for them and they were great to work with and they paid their bills, which is always good. And so you know, we we're like, let's do it. Let's go dentistry. And we knew it was extremely competitive. Everybody wants to sell to dentists, it seems like, but um, we ran with it. And since then we haven't, we haven't really looked back. So that's, and you know, there's been ups and downs and, you know, we started the agency back in the great recession of 2009 towards the end of it. So we've seen all kinds of, you know, different ups and downs, but it's been quite a journey for sure. It's so interesting. And it's such a familiar story for anyone that works in the expertise business, me included, in that you know, you're know you scared initially to go all in on one particular niche. And so you try to sort of hedge your bets a little bit and kind of keep a few other doors open for yourself. And kind of as you explain, what you find is that um, you just get spread too thin too quick and you can't be all things to all people. And to learn to speak the language and really learn about the specific problems that an industry faces, you just have to go all in. Sounds like that's exactly what you guys figured out as well. So 13 years ago, you started. How long was it for 
you guys before you went in, all in on on dentistry? I think it was about two years, maybe a little bit, a little bit longer than that, but relatively quick. And then in the grand scheme of things, you know, it, it just it just became you know, almost a burden when we take on a new industry, like there's so much in, in marketing and in digital marketing that you have to really understand. I mean, for instance, ad copy, if we're doing, you know, $10,000 a month for an auto body shop, and we've got to know how to write ads because that's really one of the most, one of the biggest things that makes an ad campaign successful on Google is, is the ad copy itself. And if you don't know that lingo and you don't know really how to talk to your target audience, very quickly, right? You only get like mm-hmm. two or three lines. It's almost like an old classified ad, right? Um, if you if you can't do that well, you're gonna you're not gonna be that successful. So, you know, it, it it helped us a lot to niche into that. But you're right, man. I mean, I'm I'm like looking at myself and I'm like, wait, I I can market to the world here. Why am I limiting myself to you know the dental industry? And it took me a while to get over that hurdle and feel comfortable about it. But certainly glad we did now. So now that you've gone all in on, on dentistry and you've you've been all in on it for 10 11 years, what what are the big problems? What are the big services that uh, you guys uh, offer and help the problems that you help solve for dentists and dental practices? Well, I think first of all, you know, 20 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, it it was much simpler to market a dental practice, right? Because you would put an ad in the yellow pages, you'd do some direct mail maybe, um, and you're kind of done, you know, and it worked pretty well for you. And there wasn't, but back then there wasn't nearly as much competition as there is now for a local dental practice. Well, enter the internet, right? And now there's 500 places you could market your dental practice locally. If you wanted to, you're probably getting calls every week from, you know, maybe companies like me saying, Hey, you need to market here, there or everywhere. But, and it can be com- very complex for a, a dental practice, right? And really any type of local business on where do I spend my money? How do I know if it's going to work? You know, I don't want to make a mistake. And so one of the biggest problems that we see really, Sean, is that a lot of dental practices will kind of just stick their head in the sand and not do anything. And they'll, you know, like, you know, what's worked for the last 20 years has worked. So I'm just going to keep on that. I'm going to kind of, kind of ignore all the noise around me. And what we've seen as a result of that is some of these newer age competition coming in, um, especially like corporate dentistry, uh, kind of invading, if you will, these local markets is that the local guys, the guys that have been there and girls that have been there for you know years are getting passed up because they aren't doing things to be innovative in marketing and really trying to stand out. So that's certainly one of the problems we try to solve for. Is that a result of just the typical erosion of an active patient base that every dental practice faces? Or is that people seeing something shinier uh, in a different dental practice that's not being offered by their current practice that makes them change doctors? So here's here's what's happening, right? The mediums that people used 20 years ago to find a dentist aren't the same mediums, right? And so how people find a dentist now, other than word of mouth, that should always be your number one source of new patients, in my opinion. Second is going to be online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the reality of it, whether you like it or not. I've got you know years of data. We track every lead that comes in through our agency to our clients. And exactly where they came from, including print. We we track direct mail, billboards, all of that stuff. Um, and by far, um, Google and online is is the number one source. So the unfortunate thing here, and I don't like it either, but I'm in the industry, is that people believe that the best dentists, and I'm using air quotes here, the best dentists are the ones on the first page of Google. Hmm. 
right? It's that whole perception is reality thing. And it's something we've got to deal with. And, you know, there's obviously no correlation between the quality of what you are in dentistry and where you rank on a search engine results page, right? But people don't think that way. Right. Very 90% of people never make it to the second page of a search engine. Hmm. They just look at that first page because people are lazy sometimes, they're impatient, and they see what they see on that first page. And they that's who they start calling, and that's who they start going to people's websites. And that's where a good majority of these new patients are, are finding their dentists. That's so interesting that you say that because almost every patient would have no way of trying to determine who was actually the best clinical dentist, right? right. That they could see in their area. And so what I hear you saying is that how they sort of figure out who might be the best for them is just to Google it, see kind of what pops up, see what the website looks like and get a sense of who the, the dentist is as a person, what the office looks like and see if they can sort of see themselves in that office. And then uh, making the phone call from there or booking online, is that kind of the, the traditional journey for a new patient coming to yeah. a dental practice? Yeah, it's it's weird because you know, 20 years ago, people would just call you, right? Well, now there's a lot of different ways people can reach out to you. And what we consult people on, and one of the biggest things that we do in the first place is consultation. We look at where they are, what they're doing, what they have been doing, what their new patient flow looks like. And then that's when we really get into a solution. We got to first understand that that particular practice, because every dentist is different. And if you don't think you're different from your competition, then that's a problem. We've got to figure out what your unique selling proposition is, why you're different than the other 20 dentists in your you know, five mile radius, whatever it may be. So a lot of what we do first is consultation to figure out how we need to get to where you want to be, right? And then we put together the plan. What are some um, examples of that? Sorry to interrupt you, but no, what are no, some no, examples no. of how you help dentists discover what their unique value proposition is to patients? Yeah. So the first thing that we do is we draw new patient avatars. So we say, all right, who is your ideal patient? Is it the 25 to 35 year old female, two and a half kids and a golden retriever? Is it the 45 to 65 year old that maybe needs more cosmetic work? And it's okay to have more than one avatar, but you've got to have those avatars because if you don't know who it is that you want to come in to see you, then we're just throwing a bunch of money out and just hoping something sticks. And that's not the way that we like to do things. I mean, hope isn't a very good marketing strategy, right? So we really try to define what their market is. And some of that is driven by things like insurance, right? Do you take Medicaid? Um, do you not? Do you, are you fee for service only? So that really helps us drive towards that. Are you looking for you know, higher end cosmetic work? Are you looking for you know, lower end stuff, um, hy hygiene stuff? So a lot of that determines, and, and you'd be surprised how many of them kind of don't really know, right? They don't understand who they want to come in, and then they don't really understand, you know, how to target them. So once we put, once we draw those new patient avatars and we come up with their unique selling proposition, what makes them different, that's when we've got the groundwork for a really solid marketing campaign. And that probably dictates the strategy that you use a little bit too, right? Depending on who that avatar is. Absolutely. I mean, everybody is talking about Google, 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 right? And there's no doubt that that's the number one source that people are using. But if you're a higher, and a lot of people maybe not know this, but if you're a higher end dentist, like fee for service, doing high end cosmetic work, you need to go advertise on Bing. And most people won't tell you that because mm. it's not sexy and it's not popular. But the reason is there's not as many searches that are happening on Bing, but it's an older demographic that have a little bit more money we've found on Bing. And I'll just tell you the story of why that is really quick, because sometimes when you go out and buy a brand new computer, a PC, right? Microsoft. 
Well, guess what the default search engine is on a computer that you buy through Microsoft? It's Bing because Bing, Bing <laughs> owns or Microsoft owns Bing. Well, some of their older group who aren't tech savvy, and some younger people too, they don't even know how to change their default search engine, right? So they'll just use Bing for years, right? And so that's where we want to start seeing uh, to put uh, advertising on Bing. And it works really well. It's about half the cost of Google ads typically. And we get really good results with that. But that, again, that's for that, you know, higher end, higher end cosmetic work. You know, it's a great strategy for them. So you determine sort of what the, the avatar is and you, you explore the different options and you gave a great example there, one that I had never heard about how Bing is actually a decent place to be if depending on the, the avatar that you're looking for. What's the process from there? How does uh, a new dentist start working with Kickstart Dental? Well, the first thing that we do is what we call a strategy session, right? And I actually personally do every strategy session myself. We're really more of what you would consider a boutique agency. There's only 13 of us that work here, um, which certainly we're big enough to get things done, but we're not that you know multimedia, you know, thousands of client type agency and we'll never will be. Um, we actually only take on one client in every market. So there's no threat of us taking on competition. And we actually only take on a certain number of clients every year. Hmm. Um, just to kind of keep things so that we can focus on our on our clients. But what I'm getting to is the first thing we do is a strategy session. And I do that. And then that's when we start. I look at their competition. I look at their market. I, comes, I come up with all kinds of good data. I can even show them how many people there are in each market to every dentist, right? So we look at things like that. And then we start talking about who it is that they want and what their goals are. How many new patients do they have now? How many do they want? Do they have to hire an associate if they get to that point? Can they handle that? Who's answering the calls at the front desk? That's overlooked so much, Sean, because you can, you can spend thousands of dollars in marketing. But think about it. All of those thousands of dollars, those leads are going to come into one place typically, and that's your front desk. Mm -hmm. Are they trained? Do they know how to close? And yes, I'm saying closes and sales because dentists are selling something, right? I mean, it's not sexy to say that you're selling something in dentistry, right? But you are, you're selling a solution to a problem. And your front desk staff has to be trained on how to show people the value of your practice and why they need to schedule with you. So we go through things like that too, kind of head to toe kind of business strategy of, of what they're doing and what I think it's going to take them to get that next level. And then we do a full-on proposal saying, look, if, if you wanna, you're here and you want to get to here, here's what I think you should do based on our experience. And this is what it would cost to do that. And what are some examples of what, what that service looks like? Is it an ongoing thing? Is it more of a one-time engagement where the scope is limited by some services and an amount of time? Just maybe a few different examples of what you guys offer. Yeah, it varies. Uh, most, I would say 90% of our clients are with us long-term, monthly. Um, I've got some clients that have been with us 11 years, but there's some times when somebody comes to us and I, you know, I'll say, look, I think you're in good shape here, but your website is in need of an update, right? It's, it's slow. It's at, and we'll just build a website for them. And that's really more of a one-time thing. Um, so it just kind of depends on what the need is and what they're looking to do. So I think we've touched on this a little bit, at least indirectly. One of the mistakes a dentist can, can make is not having an online presence, I guess, is what I have heard you say. What are some of the other mistakes that a dentist might make in, in trying to effectively market their practice? You know, there's a lot in what you just said in terms of having an online presence, right? So there's a lot of factors within that itself. But, you know, I think, I think other marketing um, 
aspects can be strong. I think in some markets, direct mail can make sense. Um, but no matter what marketing you do, I mean, today's technology allows you to track everything. So there's, and it shouldn't be, you know, the thing I hear a lot is, you know, well, Google ads does, hasn't worked for me or this hasn't worked for me. And I ask why, and they're like, well, we ask the patients when they come in and that's, that's good. I mean, you should be doing that. But what we've found with our studies is that that information can be very inaccurate because yeah, maybe they saw you on Google, but was it a Google ad? Was it Google organic? Was it in the map pack? Where was it specifically? Right, because that that definitely changed marketing strategy. And also, maybe they saw you on Google, but maybe they got a direct mail flyer first, and they looked you up on Google. Right. Mm. So, what you really need to know is where the the lead originated from. And so, I think the mistake that I see is people and Dennis assuming that they know where their stuff is coming from. And in reality, when we put our technology on it to track everything, it, it can it can draw a pretty different picture. How does geography factor into to dental marketing and the solutions that you guys offer? And just sort of as an example, I mentioned I'm in Iowa. You know, I live in an urban area in Iowa, if you will, and there might be a hundred dentists within ten miles uh, of where I live. But I grew up as a kid in a very uh, rural part of Iowa, where there might be, let's say, ten dentists within a hundred miles. So, how does that factor into online marketing? Oh, it's huge. Um, I mean, we have clients in Manhattan which is, you know, you basically just have to market for one block <laughs> because of the population density. No joke. I mean, it's really is only a couple, three blocks, but right. um, anyway, and then like what you mentioned, Iowa, I'm from the Midwest. I'm originally from Illinois, a town of 500 people, right? Yep. So um, there are instances like that where what we do doesn't make sense for them and they need to do more kind of traditional, even yellow page advertising. I mean, I know I kind of laughed at that earlier, but we do still see yellow page advertising as an effective medium in more rural markets with an older demographic. Direct mail can work better than that. And in internal marketing, you know, just, you know, getting somebody to go out to schools, you know, getting people to go out and just interact with the community, kind of beat cop type marketing, I call it. Um, those, those methods typically work better in very rural areas. How big a problem is marketing for the average dentist? Maybe to put it more practically, how many or what percentage, if you want to ballpark it, of dentists are like, you know, I have 2,000 active patients, as long as 1,800 of them come in every year, I'm good with that, versus there's just more that are that are spilling off every year and they need to make sure that even if they do have a successful practice with a lot of active patients, that there is a steady flow of new patients coming in every year. Yeah. That's kind of a, a long question, but that, maybe you follow right. what I'm driving towards there. I do. I think you'd be shocked by how many calls I get every week um, or inquiries from a dentist that's been in business 20 plus years saying, hey, you know, everything's been great until two years ago or until mm -hmm. three years ago, whatever it may be. And our new patients have been cut in half. And most of the time, the reason is, is because the competition is fierce. There are more dentists now than there ever have been. And we are seeing more corporate dentistry coming into local markets and buying up practices for their DSOs. And sometimes you don't even know they're a DSO because they'll come in and, you know, keep the same name, they'll keep the doctor in place, whatever it may be. But it's really, you know, the marketing dollars are coming from a major organization and they are just out there doing the marketing, spending the money and people pay attention to marketing and they go there. And, and if you're not doing something to get your name out there, then it's going to be a problem. And you also have to think about your exit strategy. If you're going to sell your practice within five to 10 years, 
I can promise you that one of the factors of somebody buying your practice is going to be your new patient flow and what that's looked like over the last one, two, three years, right? And they're also going to ask, what is your marketing strategy been? Do you have any branding in place to get your name out there? So if you're looking to sell your practice, you know, making sure you're competing and getting your name out there is going to be a big, big thing. What I hear you saying is that with there's more and more corporate dentistry and DSOs, they can come in and sort of market uh, at scale a lot more effectively than maybe the smaller privately owned dental practice. Is that more who your services are geared towards and your more ideal dentist that you work with or dental practice that you work with is the smaller privately owned practice? It is. Uh, we work with, I mean, we have several clients that have multiple locations. I wouldn't necessarily call them a DSO, but you right. know, they, they've, you know, they've come to us with one practice and now they have several, which is a good story. But I would say a majority of our clients for sure are local, private, individual practices. Um, we do have a couple of smaller DSOs that we work with. One of the questions I wanted to make sure I got to was video. Video is becoming more and more uh, important with marketing. At some point, maybe I'll take my my podcast to video as well. Uh, yeah. How important is that right now for dental practices? It's very important. And, and a lot of people are going to cringe with what I'm about ready to say, but we are testing and seeing such success in TikTok advertising for dentists. And if you don't know <laughs> what TikTok is, you need to look it up. I Personally, I'm not a huge social media fan, but I have to be involved because of what I do. But, you know, it's like, you know, Facebook, right? Remember back when Facebook first started, it was mostly kids and, you know, younger people definitely using that platform. And over time, older people like me kind of took it over. Now the, the wheelhouse and Facebook are like 45 to 55 year olds, right? And it took several years for that to happen. Well, TikTok, it's, you know, it, in the beginning, mostly teenagers just screwing around with video and having fun. Well, we're seeing a much quicker uh, hockey stick up um, to age, usage of age. So now we're seeing older people now using TikTok and it's going very quickly that way. So we are testing doing video ads on TikTok and it's working really well. Um, so we're going to be probably implementing more of that to our clients. But video is huge because especially during the COVID era, if you will, during the COVID, we had our clients, the doctors personally, if they could, if they had the time, do videos and put them on their website and post them about what they're doing, what their plans are in terms of making it safe for patients to be there. Look, at the end of the day, people trust humans. People buy from people, right? And the more human you can make yourself, the more success you're going to have with marketing. And video does a very good job of that. And so when I talk to doctors about doing video, they're like, oh, man, it's just going to be you know, thousands of dollars and this, you know, all this, you know, production cost. No, man, all you got to do is get your phone out. Those cameras on those phones are really good now. Yeah, they're 4K. Do, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Just do an impromptu two or three minute video on whatever and post it out there or have us post it for you. It goes a long way. And, you know, video is going to be here for a long time. So it's, it is an important part of the mix. You wrote a book called The Ultimate Guide to Internet Marketing for Dentists. What was that experience like? And what's the response to that book been? It was horrible. <laughs> I got to admit, <laughs> it was terrible writing that book because I'm not that great of a writer, to be honest with you. So I had to have a lot of help, but it took me forever. And it, you know, my, my saying is, you know, done is better than perfect because I see so many people just kind of get stalled in their own 
you know, processes and making sure everything's perfect before they actually do something, right? Well, that's what I did in this book and it took me forever to write it. But finally, I got kicked in the butt a couple of times and got it done, but it was quite a process. And it's, you know, it's a guide to, you know, if you have a dental practice and you're not sure how to market it and you don't have a ton of money to spend, it's kind of grassroots ideas, tips, and and tricks, if you will, on how to market your your practice effectively doing it yourself. Okay. It sounds a lot like the experience of me writing my book. It was white knuckling it the entire time and trying to <laughs> put away my perfection syndrome, if you could call it that. Right. It's sort of, yeah, done is better than perfect. You also host yeah. a podcast. I, I get the sense from just talking to you here that you're a lot more comfortable in the podcast format. Yeah. It's called the Dental Marketing Podcast. I got to really become more creative with my naming, but yeah, it's called the Dental Marketing Podcast. I do it weekly. Typically, I try to uh, do a blend of you know interviewing people in the industry that are successful and how they become successful. And then also just, you know, some thoughts from myself, you know, if, if I don't have a guest on, you know, what we're seeing in the marketplace and what changes we're seeing and what's working well for dentists and what's not. Um, so it can be informative. I, I try not to get too wordy and kind of get to the point because I know most dentists don't have a ton of extra time. So uh, it, it's, it's very informational. You can find it, you know, anywhere, Apple, Spotify, you know, wherever you go to get your podcasts. We've bounced all over the place. I think we've had some good content in there, but uh, I guess anything that I haven't hit on or asked you about that you think would be important to to add or to mention about marketing for dental practices. You know, I, I think we've I think we've covered a lot of it, honestly, Sean. You know, I, I think that you know this all starts with coming up with a plan, right? I mean, have goals, right? As a practice, you know, what's your goal? What's your revenue goal for the end of the year? what's your revenue goal or whatever you want your goals to be for the end of the quarter, right? Involve your team on those goals. And then once you have goals, that's when you can really figure out if you want to, if you need marketing or if you're in good shape or whatever it may be, but get some advice, talk to different providers, you know, and, and just see what's going to make the most sense for you. Second to last question. Uh, the name of the podcast is Dentist Puns and Money. I don't know if I asked you this before we hit record, but do you have a good dental joke or a dental pun that you, that you feel comfortable sharing with the audience? Oh my goodness. I don't. I'm sorry. I, man, <laughs> dental is no joking matter, Sean. No, just kidding. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't, man. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank. Well, that's my fault. I should have given you a better heads up for the question. But for those that are interested in learning more about Kickstart Dental and maybe starting a conversation with you to see, you know, do I have a problem with my practice? Do I not have a problem with my practice? And if I do, what is what is the process of working with Kickstart Dental look like? What's the what's the best first step for that dentist or dental practice owner? Yeah, just go to our website, kickstartdental.com. Check it out. We're pretty transparent on there, how what we do and how we do things. But there's a free strategy session button all over the place on that. That's the first place to start. Just fill that out. I do them all myself. Um, even if you have no intention of using us as a marketing agency, no problem. Um, still do it because you'll you'll get great insights on your market and your competition, and uh, you know I'll go through all of it with you um, for free, no problem at all. So just go that way, and and usually I'm available the next day um, or or soon after. That is Chris Pistorius, founder of Kickstart Dental. Chris, thank you for sharing your expertise and for being a guest on Dentists Puns and Money. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Dentists, Puns, and Money. For more information about my day job, which is guiding dentists to their financial off-ramp from active practice, you can visit DentistExit.com. 
And there, you can find more information about us, sign up for our email newsletter, or schedule a discovery call with Sean. That's me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, and also please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. As for the boring legal stuff, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors, LLC. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results. Dentist puns and money.